Welcome to Logical, the region's first and only legal podcast. Logical is a regular weekly podcast from Dubai-based law firm HBL, Yamalaba and Pleska. I'm Tim Elliott. I'm here at the firm's offices on the 18th floor of Reef Tower in Jumeirah Lakes Towers with the managing partner, Ludmilla Yamalaba. Always good to see you, Ludmilla. Good to see you too, Tim, and welcome back to the firm. Good to be here. Now, this time, and once again, we're going to be talking divorce here in the UAE. And in order to keep this to the point, we've discussed non-Muslim couples this week. It's Muslim couples who decide to go their separate ways whilst being resident here in the United Arab Emirates. Now, one of the things that we're all very aware of in the Emirates is that there are so many different nationalities uh, living together. Many of those people, of course, are Muslim. However, there are aspects of Islam that differ from country to country. There may be uh, cultural aspects of divorce or attitudes to divorce that are different or ideals that differ from country to country. What I'm saying is there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach just because a faith is shared. So starting at the beginning, decent place to start. What's the first thing a Muslim couple who decide to go their separate ways should be thinking about? Well. The one thing to, important to highlight is that uh, for Muslim couples, couples living in the UAE and seeking divorce in the UAE, Sharia will apply. Uh, there are a number of uh, Muslim couples uh, that might have moved to the UAE from other jurisdictions and perhaps in those other jurisdiction, jurisdictions they would have chosen to have different laws apply and in those other jurisdictions different laws could apply. But as long as they're living in the UAE and they're seeking divorce in the UAE, it will always be Sharia that will apply to, to their divorce. So that's, that's the important framework to mm. keep in mind as they go through the process. Uh, the next one is, uh, as in any divorce, what are the main elements that need to be considered? And those are always, one, children, and then two, commercial uh, interests and obviously assets. In under Sharia, it's um, the the general rule is uh, as far as um, children are concerned, legal guardianship, which is the uh, the ongoing right to decision making right over the children, stays with the father, and then custody, which refers to physical possession, if you will, of children, that stays with the mother, depending on the the, the gender of the children and the age of the children. So that's just the general, uh, just the general framework, and and there isn't really any way to alter that unless parties agree. Uh, but if the divorce does go through the court uh, and uh, it's uh, and strictly Sharia is applied, then that's um, that's basically that's that's how uh, that aspect of uh, divorcing couple will be managed. I think there's a a general uh, maybe a general view or feeling when people look at the legal system of, of any country, but perhaps particularly when it comes to Sharia, that it's perhaps seen as being less flexible. But if, for example, a couple decide that they together make a decision for the benefit of the children that differs from the way the law would generally be applied, and there is agreement between the couple, the court would take that into account. Yes, and that's um, that's a great point to make. Uh, in, as is in any... I guess dispute there are two different ways of managing that dispute one is through the court and that is through the formal process uh, whereby at the end of the process there is a court order 
mandating the terms and conditions of, of, of that particular conflict, for example. The other one is by agreement, and that is what you're referring to, and that would be, in this case, it would be a settlement agreement. So that is always possible in any divorce, including Muslim divorces, uh, the, for the couple to sit down and agree on a different framework of um, their relationship including children and uh, commercial um, aspects and but that would be done through a settlement agreement not through a court order now the settlement agreement in order to be able to rely on it in the long run would be advisable to record in the court but it's not necessary so it's always possible for couples just to agree on something between themselves and just that be their final decision on how they decide to, to, to live their lives uh, from there on. But it's always better to have, if you have a settlement agreement like that, it's always better to have it actually recorded with the, with the right courts. Uh, so yes, in um, it, you can, it's always possible to vary the, uh, the application of particular law and even Sharia, uh, but it's important to remember that if you want to be able to rely on that, on that agreement, you do want to register it with the courts because if it's ever challenged and these things happen quite often so you can imagine couples agreeing on a particular way of, of, of uh, handling their uh, sort of their future mm-hmm. regarding children and um, financial interests at that point in time but as, as as other life events happen and as their circumstances change uh, couples often change their view about how they want uh, things to continue and so we have seen a number of these settlement agreements um, that are with time as time goes on are challenged so therefore if you want to ensure that they are that they stay as is uh, make sure to register them with the courts early on is it possible to challenge a settlement agreement if you're say uh, a close family member a father a brother for example it, not really, not at this point in time, because it's it's a, for the it's a great question, but it's for the purposes of that particular family, because nothing goes through the court, right? So, okay. if it's um, if it if it ends up in court, uh, then uh, it, yes, they would they would have a right to register their interest, uh, but if it's done out of outside of the court and by virtue of an agreement, then there isn't really a, a way for them to challenge it because yeah, the parties agree. Uh, that being said, if um, there is, for example, a legitimate reason for a family member to register their interest, for example, because one of the parent, one of the parents, on behalf of whom they are registering their interest, let's say, is deemed uh, incapable of actually making proper decisions or decisions in the interest of the ch- child, then yes, presumably, I mean, in theory, you could potentially challenge it, but it doesn't happen very often. Is there any differentiation made as to which party, male or female, applies to a divorce? Is there any difference under Sharia? Yes. Uh, it's uh, easier to apply for divorce if you're uh, a male. Okay. And uh, there are two ways of applying for divorce or um, affecting divorce, if you will, if you're a male. One, under Sharia, a male can divorce his wife uh, orally. And it's just by saying, I divorced you three times. Uh, so and then under Sharia, that would actually make that divorce effective and and uh, official. And I'll come back to this point. That's one way of doing it. The other way is that if you apply to the court, and uh, in that case, as a male applying for divorce in courts, uh, there is not no no requirement to have a judge approve that divorce. So therefore, as a male, you can just uh, apply to the court saying I'm, I'm wanting to divorce my life, uh, my wife, and at that point. 
uh, you know, the court will basically just uh, conclude the divorce. Now, for uh, a female to f- uh, file for a divorce, she actually needs approval from the court uh, to, um, to be divorced. Now, it's not to say that the divorce is not approved, but it's just a different process from an administrative standpoint. There's just more things to, um, to, to go through, uh, more steps in the process for a female to apply for a divorce by virtue of having the court ultimately give the woman permission to do so. But it's not the case or it doesn't mean that a woman, that the court ultimately may not give permission to the woman to divorce. Um, in majority of the cases, uh, there will be a divorce decree, but it's just a different administrative process for uh, the woman to apply for a divorce. Now, uh, going back to the previous comment about a male affecting a divorce orally by virtue of just saying so to his wife three times. The key there, and we've seen these cases happen quite frequently, is, um, is the proof. Uh, because when somebody divorces orally, obviously there's just, you only have that oral representation. So unless there's a way to prove uh, that, uh, you know, those statements, there's always a, a a chance to have the divorce challenged, uh, including by the man himself. And we have seen these kinds of cases quite frequently when obviously in the heat of the moment, a uh, man wants to divorce his wife, says so a few times, and then they, and, and in practical terms, perhaps they start living separate, uh, separate lives. But uh, fast forward six months, a year from, uh, from then, uh, maybe he will have changed his mind. And if a woman relies on that statement and starts living her life as a single person and perhaps uh, consider even marrying someone else, um, there's always a risk because officially, because the man, her previous husband, may always challenge that, uh, that, that divorce and then it will become a matter of proof. And so how do you prove that those statements were made? Well, what is acceptable proof then in this modern day and age? It would be witnesses. Uh, so and and obviously <laughs> witnesses is something else and and you would have to present two male witnesses to prove that those statements were made right. and uh, obviously then that comes down to that particular scenario if there are none then how do you prove it so it's always it's easier for a man to ultimately challenge that so therefore our advice always so if you're a woman who is being divorced that way just make sure to have that documented through the court officially so don't rely on just oral representations because it's just you know it it creates more confusion and uncertainty in the future this is going to sound ridiculous but if i were uh, muslim and my wife were muslim and i sent her three whatsapps saying i divorce you in a row would that be permissible? Honestly, the, this day and age, yes. Because right. more and more, the courts are starting to recognize uh, communications that are uh, done through, uh, uh, through the digital means uh, as admissible proof. Okay. Uh, it wasn't, in, and even in the UAE in particular, there recently there have been uh, new civil procedure laws introduced, and where that particular form of admissible evidence is now clearly expressed. So presumably, we haven't seen those kinds of arguments in our practice just yet in that context. Sure. But we certainly have seen a lot more courts accepting. Uh, the, the WhatsApp communications, email communications, any other digital ways of uh, communicating is admissible evidence. So presumably, yes, you could even use that as proof 
of, um, of, a, of, a, of an effective or formal divorce. Let's hope we don't see Instagram posts causing divorces, although that may have already happened. Uh, let's come back to uh, the idea of uh, the divorce is uh, in court. Just recap very quickly, if you would, children, how children are affected. Uh, but also look at what happens with joint property, be that a home, a car, a, a boat, whatever it might be. But also the question of debt, how a Sharia court handles debt on either side, either party. So let's start with the commercial side of uh, a divorce. As a general rule, when there is a divorce between Muslims, uh, whatever is, um, so all of their separate interests go their separate ways, so, so to speak. In other words, if, uh, a, there's a, if there's a property that's in the name of the wife, that property follows the wife or the woman. If um, there's a bank account that's in the name of the, the man, then it follows the man. So in other words, what's yours is yours, what's mine is mine. So there's no communal property and there's no other division of, uh, of commercial interest only on the basis of being husband and wife. Uh, there is a form of alimony that, um, that a woman can uh, apply for and that's, but that that's really only limited to about three months and it's for the period of transition after the divorce. So that's really the maximum ex extent of commercial support that a woman can legally ask uh, her ex-husband for under Sharia. Uh, so therefore, it's in a way, it's a, mu a much simpler to uh, administer commercial interest or financial interest in betwe between uh, di uh, divorcing parties under Islam um, than in other jurisdictions. Uh, and this also applies to any kind of form of debt. So if, for example, the, the house that is registered to the woman is mortgaged, I mean, obviously mortgage is a form of debt, then it's only her that remains to be liable for that debt and not her husband just by virtue of, um, of being her husband. Now, let's uh, make it a little more complicated. Let's say there's a property, a family property that's in the name of both wife and husband, and there is a mortgage. Uh, as long as they jointly own property, then the mortgage and the liabilities also are jointly shared. So in that particular case, now you have this asset uh, which is jointly owned, so therefore 50% goes to the wife, 50% goes to the husband, and the liability of the mortgage obviously is, is uh, half and half their responsibility, or in most cases, it's so it's call, called jointly and, and severally liable. In other words, um, if the husband stops paying or the man stops paying for the mortgage, then the wife is uh, responsible for the entire mortgage and vice versa. Uh, so in that particular case, if there's a divorce, it's quite complicated because how does the court um, order for the parties to divide, that, uh, divide up that particular asset? So it really comes down to um, either agreement between the parties uh, for one or the other sell the share of the house to one or the other one of them or to sell the house altogether and divide up the proceeds. Uh, or for the court, if the parties cannot agree, for the court to order the sale of that property or the, uh, the au auctioning off of the property so that they can have actually just proceeds that are easier, obviously, to, to divide than immovable property. Um, so that's, generally speaking, how financial interests are handled uh, in, uh, in, in divorce under Sharia. With regards to children... Mm. Uh, it's um, so there are two concepts under Islam which don't quite exist in the same way in other religions, and that is uh, guardianship and custody. In most other countries, it's they're really one and the same. 
Uh, and in Islam, the guardianship, which is the ongoing legal right uh, that usually means decision-making on behalf of the children, uh, remains with the father. And uh, custody, which refers to physical possession or physical uh, relationship with the kids, usually stays with the mother. Now that particular, and, and the legal guardianship doesn't really change. It doesn't, it doesn't change even uh, based on the age or gender, but custody does. So first of all, custody, it, it depends on whether the children are female or male and, and whether they are this, you know, you have how many children you have and what ages. Uh, so generally speaking for women, for the, for the girls, um, mothers have custody until the age of 13 and then for boys until the age of 11. Uh, so in, in the UAE, and you referred earlier to the point of even Sharia is, is, is applied somewhat differently depending on the country. In this country, in the UAE, the courts tend not to separate children. Uh, with regards to custody. So in other words, if you have, let's say, a boy who is 11 and a girl who is 7, uh, chances are that the court will give custody for both children to the mother because, they're, let's face it, the children are still minor and the courts here don't really like to separate children that are minor. So even though uh, under strict interpretation of Sharia, perhaps a little, that boy uh, could now be living with his father and, and, and his father's family, in, in the UAE, the courts tend to keep children together. Ludmila Yamalova is the managing partner of the Dubai-based law firm Yamalova & Pleska. As ever, Ludmila, thank you. Thank you very much, Tim. That's it for another edition of the Logical Podcast. As always, it's practically impossible to answer every legal question on any given topic uh, that you might have in a single podcast. However, if there is a specific question that you need an answer to, get in touch via lylawyers.com and we'll try to answer it in a future edition of Logical. Next time on the Logical Podcast, we'll be discussing real estate here in the United Arab Emirates, specifically the rentals market, the residential rentals market, things to think about, and the state of the market right now, just over halfway through 2019.